Let's go, JJ's. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go, JJ's. Let's go. I hate you for this. Let's go, JJ's. Let's go. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. We're here. We are here. We're finally right next to each other. I'm Bentley Brown, and next to me is Asad Hassan. We are recording an episode before going to your mom's house for aid dinner. This is exciting. It's very exciting. I hope you're hungry, man. That's why we're, we're getting a, a, a little drink in us, just a little bit, you know, get real hungry, do some good eating. Tell me about your recent, you know, you've been doing some radio work recently. Yeah, just a little bit. Got in with some guys, man. They are incredible people at uh, Denver Sports Betting and Mile High Radio. The yeah. dude who hosts the show, dude, I was like, yeah. He was like very quiet and stuff before. Yeah. Like five minutes before. He's like, all right, let's do this, man. And then like when he gets on, he's just like, whoosh. I'm like, holy <laughs> f- dude. Well, they're they're trained to like fill airspace. Yeah. Like ra- actual radio hosts, not us. Yeah. They can bullshit about anything for hours. We, yeah. we can only bullshit for like 45 minutes. That's, that's <laughs> very true. No, got to get on air. Got to talk about the Jaguars. And oddly enough, it's perfect timing because everyone wants to talk about the Jaguars right now. And there's all kinds of drama and shit around the Jaguars, which is crazy. I, you know what? I'm not. I'm not too much against it, actually. I, I like the attention. Do you like the attention? I always like the attention. I don't know if I like the attention. You know what I was thinking about the other day was the whole Trevor Lawrence thing. You know how we're like babying him, kind of like we do the Gardner Minshew. You know, we're uh, the honeymoon phase is what what it's reminding me of, right? Like you finally meet your love, right, and you're ready to spend all this time with them. But like we haven't faced any of the challenges yet, which is what's scaring me a little bit going into this. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. You know, people say he's the biggest quarterback prospect since the likes of Andrew Luck, and they say Peyton Manning before that, and then John Elway. Those are the names we hear. I would say Andrew Luck is probably the only one of those that was in a any sort of internet era, serious internet era, definitely social media. And Trevor Lawrence is on this pinnacle of social media thing where we're probably we're probably like all close to like deactivating social media accounts and shit because it can get overbearing can you imagine being the most celebrated quarterback prospect in like 10 years and then having to perform on social media and i've seen him active he's out there liking things and retweeting and okay guys let's get it all this kind of stuff i can't help but be afraid that it's increased the pressure on him I would think it increased the pressure on him. By the way, going back to the social media thing, man, like I'm following him, I'm looking at all his tweets, I'm following his wife, seeing what she's doing. It's all this stuff. It's it's a lot of pressure coming his way, man. Right now, I think he's just having fun with it. He just got drafted. It's an important moment in his life. It's time time to go to work, but not quite yet. Well, get, getting to some of the drama that's been around the Jaguars and this national media attention, I guess the most recent and most uh, obnoxious thing is the whole signing of former quarterback Tim Tebow, who's been out of the league for, what is it, almost a decade. The Jaguars are moving him essentially to tight end. Uh, The connection here is obvious. Tim Tebow was the uh, national championship winning quarterback twice for the Urban Meyer-led Florida Gators. And culturally speaking, fits in well with the Jaguars as well as North Florida, which is where he grew up. However, a lot of people are taking the Tim Tebow hiring as a sign that the Jaguars are racist in their hiring policy, 
that they're giving this guy a shot at being a tight end and shot at a contract just because he's like good old boys club with Urban Meyer. And there's a lot of uh, deserving players that are not going to make the team because of people like Tim T or make the NFL basically because of people like Tim Tebow. What's your take on that? I'm okay with it because you build connections in life for this reason, right? Now he had someone he can go back to him and Urban are close. If Urban didn't feel like he would have some kind of impact on this team, then why would he bring him in? What sense would that make? As far as Kaepernick goes, first of all, Colin Kaepernick's Well, we have, yeah, I just want to introduce that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Colin, Colin Kaepernick that. is the most frequently cited example of someone who, as a, a black quarterback who was essentially, I, I don't even say kicked out of the NFL, but essentially sort of like excommunicated because of protesting during the national anthem, uh, police brutality and the mistreatment of black people, let alone athletes uh, in the NFL, hasn't gotten a job since he left, basically. He tried out with teams. He tried out, sorry, he tried out four teams. And so people say, well, if Colin Kaepernick couldn't get a job and Tim Tebow can walk on a decade later after messing around in baseball and, and being a, a, you know, an ESPN college game day host, then something's unfair here. Not only has he done that, he's been going on missionaries. He's doing all kinds of things, man. In Jacksonville, he's all around the world. But they have nothing to do with each other at all, do they? I, I really don't see the correlation between the two. First of all, Tebow's going to come play tight end. What are the chances he takes one snap at quarterback? What if it's a gadget play and they throw him in at quarterback? You think that'll happen for the uh, Jaguars? Oh, uh, Absolutely, though. Well, do you want to see that? I think that was the Saints guy. Taysom Hill. Yeah, I think it's a Taysom Hill kind of thing that they're going to play around with in training camp, and they'll maybe maybe throw it out in the preseason. They may not even want to reveal it in preseason. I bet for the sake of Tebow-ness, they will. Because the guy's built. He He's always been a good runner, and that's about it. <laughs> His quarterback strength and, and was he, the running. And he's got a positive attitude, man. So he could theoretically... Th- <laughs> <laughs> he could he could theoretically you know run what these like option plays and bootlegs and stuff on occasion just to mess with the defense don't you think yeah that's fine but i don't want to see that look at all these weapons we have man he is so funny you saw like espn and some other like social medias that are tweeting out like oh the jaguars offense and they're like they name you know trevor lawrence etn james robinson and there's tebow out of nowhere like where's dj chark in this why are we highlighting Tebow and not Chark or Chenault? Yeah, the best thing is that Tim Tebow is the only first-round offensive weapon that Trevor Lawrence has to, to use. Wow. Now, but there's Etienne, though. There is Etienne, though. He's, he was the second pick of the first round. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, you can consider DJ him first DJ Chark, <laughs> James Robinson wasn't even drafted. I didn't even Chenault was that. second round. I mean, is Tebow going to make the roster? I, th- I think it will be an honest decision. Personally, I agree with you in the sense that, no, I don't think this is like a race issue. This is someone who won national championships with the Gators, who has a connection to Urban Meyer. Just like any industry, you work with people you're comfortable with. Yep. They Just the same way they brought in Alex Smith, who had been quarterback for Urban Meyer at Ohio State to try out. And he he actually enjoyed his visit to Jacksonville, but decided to retire. It was his last. I mean, he he was considering not retiring for the chance to work with Urban Meyer again. I don't see how this is any different than that. And all respect to Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick, to me, still is a hero. Is he a human at the end of the day who, like, may be swayed by fame <laughs> and provocation and having an important role in history? Yeah. 
But yeah. did he did he still like stick to his guns throughout? Of course. But I think that's a very different situation. Just like you said, the two have nothing to do with each other. And I think Tim Tebow gets a legitimate shot to try out uh, and to make the court, make the team as a tight end. And I don't think it's too far from similar situations. I can give you another tight end, Jason Witten, who came back from broadcasting uh, to play for the Cowboys. He, he then went on to the Raiders after that. But Jason Witten, by the time he was <laughs> essentially a, a little bit after Tim Tebow's age, was he George Kittle, okay. Travis Kelsey, explosive? No, no. no but, but that's way different, man. He played tight end his whole career, and he was a... Ho- I mean, he's a Hall of Fame tight end at his position. Tim Tebow is a below-average quarterback who was drafted in the first round that should have been drafted in the not drafted. <laughs> okay, so I have a couple questions for you. This is getting Cause good. Because this has been um, circulating as well. Does Tim Tebow, does Tim Tebow being on the team take off pressure from Trevor Lawrence at all? It does, but it has the risk of being a disaster. How does it take off pressure, though? They instead of Trevor Lawrence leading the prayer group, Tim Tebow can occasionally pray. <laughs> That's how okay, I take that back. I really <laughs> apologize to everyone out there. What I was going to say with the Jason Witten connection is that Jason Witten, if you can compare Jason Witten's discipline and f- hard work ethic, and like it's all about like the success in the football game and, and doing the right thing at all times, that wears off on the team around you. The idea with Tim Tebow is that he's going to have some of that. I've heard a lot of talk about the weight room and commitment and rigorous like training and all that kind of shit. I feel like to a lot of the younger players, he's setting an example. Is that example good? That's what I think is the risk. You know, we haven't heard much from Tebow. Have you heard anything from him, though, actually? Like he he hasn't gone on. I haven't seen, read anything about him saying, hey, I'm I'm ready to go to work. And I don't know. He hasn't said anything. That could mean something. So are you are you saying that they're bringing Tebow in to be a presence in training camp, f- around in preseason, sell some preseason tickets, and then he's gone? I don't know why the hell they brought him in. I was hoping you would answer the question for me. Wow. I I mean I think I think the reasons are you don't think they're clear. Like I think that they they just like what I said. I think they want him to be a presence on the team. He likes Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer likes him. He's another guy who likes winning, and he had a lot of success in college. Even even a season with the Broncos when it was Tebow time, he could come in and make a difference in the game. I feel like that's the reason why they're bringing him in. I don't I don't necessarily agree with it though, and I think it's risky, and that he has the he has the potential to like sort of divide the locker room. Is there any chance that he gets cut, or Urban is like, yeah, this isn't working out, but come join the coaching staff? Yeah, I feel like that's more realistic and it would make more sense and I would feel a little more comfortable that way, to be honest. So you think they should have just brought him in as a coaching assistant? I think we should have drafted a tight end. What happened to this tight end, man? We, <laughs> didn't, we didn't get a tight end. In, I mean, we did in free agency, but we didn't get a big name. And we, we also drafted again. Uh, both in Both acquisitions that you mentioned are blocking tight ends. Right, or, but why? we didn't really like take a shot to go get one, though. So are you saying... I mean, they announced the whole Tim Tebow... Well, they leaked the Tim Tebow practicing with the Jaguars on draft day. Right. Are you saying that Tim Tebow took the place of us drafting Pat Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan? Brevin Jordan? Yep, Brevin Jordan. I don't know. I just feel like maybe Tim Tebow is actually going to play. So do you not think, I mean, I think our conversation here illustrates this. You don't think that Tim Tebow is actually taking some pressure off Trevor Lawrence then? 
<laughs> no, like, no, I don't think he took any pressure off of Trevor Lawrence. I think there's going to be immense pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy. He's the number one pick, man. He's go- going to play for a franchise who has not accomplished much, especially since like they accomplished something when they started. And he's got to make Tim Tebow look good as a tight end. It's even more pressure. So we've gone, pressure. we've gone full yeah. circle. We're full of shit. Next topic. <laughs> Next topic. Yes. Off of Tebow. No more Tebow talk. Another huge topic we've heard on national media is the Jaguars running back room. This is insane, man. I was telling you that one time I had like fantasy football radio on or some satellite radio. And they're like, well, we need to spend some time talking about the Jaguars running back room. I don't think I've heard those words together since Maurice Jones drew uh, Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor. <laughs> Taylor yep. That's for sure. What is your take on the Jaguars running back room? Urban Myers come out and said, you know, oh, don't worry. Like Travis Etienne, we view him. And this is for as a reminder, this is the running back who was at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and has had an illustrious career. You know, people cite him as being a very strong receiver, actually. And and that's one of my most impressive takeaways from watching his highlights at Clemson is his ability to run routes and the way that he looks like a receiver i mean can you imagine if you were the linebacker covering this guy and he's going out running button hooks on you and shit? i mean that's that's a really strong asset but he also set the acc record for rushing yards so urban meyer says hey don't worry james robinson's still there he's still he's kind of hinting that james robinson's still the the, the first and second down back maybe we bring travis Etienne as a third down. i don't know what's your take is there a threat to james robinson's prevalence as a first string running back is there a threat Hmm. You draft a quarterback, number one overall. He's supposed to be a generational talent. And then your next pick, you draft his best buddy, who they they have obvious chemistry. We watched it happen. They've caught, I mean, ETN's caught passes from Lawrence. How does this make James Robinson feel? You think he feels like he wasn't good enough? Like he couldn't carry the load himself? Like they needed more help? I mean, we brought Carlos Hyde in. I was okay with James Robinson being the only running back, but then I warmed up to the ETN idea. Who's going to be the starter? Like week nine, week 10, what's going to happen? I mean, the, the thing that threw me off the most was the drafting of Kadarius Tony. Mm. That it was Urban Meyer saying that right. Tony going before our pick at 25 was his biggest heartbreak of the draft. And the way a lot of people took that was it was a major slap in the fra- face to Travis Etienne. Meyer even kind of framed it that way as we lost a, you know, quote unquote slash player, like someone who's able to catch the ball and run and surprise you on all kinds of, you know, option plays and stuff that, you know, in the last season we were mostly running with uh, LaVisca Chenault. And so it looks like he got his second tier pick for that type of player. That's what it sounds like. So I, it's like on top of Robinson being dissed, I can imagine uh, Travis Etienne being offended that he was the second choice even at that uh, level of pick I get it but I think Etienne's kind of happy at the end of the day I mean he's close to Clemson he's with Trevor Lawrence it's a friendly face it's like a, a fresh start too for the Jaguars I think he feels good about it I don't think there's any disrespect I think what Urban Meyer was saying was we're selling out on offense we're gonna get Trevor Lawrence and we're gonna get him like playmakers around him so Tony wasn't there which I'm actually kind of happy he wasn't I would take Etienne over Tony right now yeah, and I, I agree with you. Um, we're going to get to hear in a second uh, about other picks that we thought we were going to take at that time. And I was thinking uh, uh, Trevon Merrig, the safety. Yeah, TCU. Um, also uh, Christian Barrymore. Mm-hmm. 
um, at that spot. And neither did we, we didn't draft them at 25. We also didn't draft them at, at 33, right? which was kind of mind blowing. And that's another topic that we're going to get to in a second here. But I think Travis Etienne was the Jaguars argument they put forth on the whole draft the best player available philosophy. Oh my God, we talk about this so much too. And the Jaguars do it a lot too. They just did it with Josh Allen. Yeah. Is that what, what you think happened? I mean, both of us, we did not see ETN coming though. I think, no, I think it was the opposite of that. I think that the Jaguars really had, Tony was on the list, apparently, high ranked on their right. draft list. And that ETN was that same sort of need. I think Urban Meyer really did want some explosiveness on offense and unpredictability, like creativity. And Etienne was pretty high ranked there. And I, I bet you, if you factor in the Clemson connection with Trevor Lawrence, I bet you there's something there. How many receivers did we see go to their former college quarterback in this draft, right? Or, or you know, in this case, a running I mean, back. The Bengals slash... literally sold out for that. They said, forget, um, I can I can say fuck. See, on the radio, you can't cuss. So I'm like, <laughs> you really had to limit it. You can cuss or, a lot here. Yeah, you can literally you cuss can a lot. You can say anything. We can say, you know, we just beep it out. You say shit. <laughs> you say fuck. You say titans. Titans. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I was like, Titans. Oh, man. Titans fans are already annoying. I, th- I think they're like a little jealous. Yeah, fuck no one's Titans. Tired. No one's fuck the Titans. Yeah. Fuck the Titans. What Stupid were we talking logo. about? Now I already forgot. Etienne going early. And then we're looking at the the people rem- like matching up, yeah. reuniting college pairs. So they got Jamar Chase because of Joe Burrow. I mean, obviously, you need to protect your quarterback. All year, everyone said the Bengals are going to draft a tackle and the top ring tackle. And they didn't. This had to do with Joe Burrow. It was because Burrow was there. If that was not his college receiver, they would not have drafted him. It, I mean, he's very talented, but that's not why. They just drafted T. Higgins, Trevor Lawrence's old receiver, last year. So Yeah, and I, I want to plug here Duval Hot Takes podcast and the breakdown they did on the draft. I think it's awesome, and we're not doing a draft breakdown today. We're going into some specific topics. So if, if you haven't heard it already, go listen to the Duval Hot Takes uh, draft review on the Big Cat Country playlist here with us. Uh, but one thing that they talked about in Duval Hot Takes is this idea of just fucking like draft grades are essentially meaningless because we we don't know how these people are going to play out. And often happens out of this draft class, what, what's it going to be when we draft like eight, nine, ten players like we've been doing the last couple of years? Would you, wouldn't you say like what three might sign contracts with a team in the future about three to four kind of float on that bubble for a while and then three to four we just never hear their name again? So we don't know. We don't fucking know. And that applies to first rounders as it does all the way down to six rounders. And we've seen that with the Jaguars with, with everybody from Taven Bryan to Gardner Minshew. It's a, it's a great point because like maybe you might not hear the third round pick's name ever again. But the six round guy, hey, he's on the roster and he's playing. He's, he's taking snaps. You know what I mean? So it's crazy how that works. It's a good point. I think the Jaguars did something here where they didn't they didn't go best player available. They also didn't go uh, player of most need. I, they could say they wanted that slash player, but we we needed a safety. We need <laughs> yes. defensive tackles. We need defensive ends, right? We, we need defense. We, yeah. we, need, <laughs> we defense, need defense. Defensive anything. <laughs> we need defensive exactly. driving, okay? <laughs> and they went beyond that. They had another chemical formula that said, we we are pretty confident Travis Etienne, knowing Trevor Lawrence's style, being comfortable with him, being an explosive player, regardless of position of need and overall talent and and whatever like position on the on the draft board and shit, we know he's as close of a guarantee as we got. 
So it would hurt more to pass on him now and have him go before our pick 33, which is when we probably could have snagged him too. Yes, we would have. <laughs> yes, we could have. Uh, or any point in the second round. I mean, there's been a lot of like first round running back shaming too, right? Like if you're a GM who drafts a running back in the first round, which we did in 2017, right? It doesn't pan out too well and you, you get shamed for it. I can I understand that. But I think the Jaguar said, this is actually of the rest of the draft, our biggest chance at a hit because of those other chemical equations beyond just draft prospect rank and right. position of need. I just want to know if it had anything to do with James Robinson or their belief in him. But that's, I mean, think about it, man. Like, I, yes, I, I see it's a, it's a running back. Meyer, Balky, the whole crew has come in and reevaluated our entire roster that I get. And we've seen the evidence of that. We've seen Taven Bryan's, uh, extension being <laughs> dismissed and he might get cut right before we even start playing a game of the season. I understand that they could have evaluated James Robinson said, said you could, we need to add something in the running back room. I don't think they needed to replace James Robinson. So I would argue here that we're actually going back to Balky's 49ers who had a running back room that was impressive I'm actually a little troubled to remember the names of the backs. Like, that's how much committee-style running it was, in a way. Who fucking was it? The guy with the Dolphins. We're talking about Matt Breida. Yeah, yeah Breida. Matt Breida and Jerick McKinnon got hurt, so Breida walked in. And then they had, oh my God, I can't even think of the other guys. But they had three of them Mostert. going. Uh, yeah, Raheem Mostert. Yep. Mostert. Yep. Yeah, you're so, right. So, these are all, I mean, all these names we're like, we associate fucking running back success with. I mean, they and they they they've turned into in the case of Brito was draft capital already, right? There wasn't a problem that they had all those guys in the same room. In fact, it was a great strength of the team. We had that back when we ran two hundred fifty yards plus on was it the Titans? Please tell me it was the Colts when we, with uh, Maurice Jones Drew and Fred Taylor. Okay, so but right? the only, only difference is like the situation was different because both of these guys are young and they're just started their careers where. Fred was kind of, you know, on the tail end and MJD was just getting started. So I think it's a little different in respect to that, right? But it's running backs, man. But it's, it's the whole philosophy. And, and we and I've been on here literally I I preached it that like we should have running back by committee because running backs don't matter that much and I'd rather have two or three of them that are really good. Or their talent is very reliable in a way. That's another way to look at it, to flip it a bit. If you have DJ Chark and Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault competing like the fucking Hunger Games to become the Jaguars' top receiver. Dee Westbrook was a good example of this, actually. Right. Mind and Keelan Cole, uh, in this sense, they're going to fall to mind games. If they start dropping passes, they don't get plays designed for them. Mm -hmm. If they can't work it out to get open or hold onto the ball, you see them collapse very quickly. Right. So they start to plummet. Will it be motivational then? And you, then you think but, it's going to help? No, I think running backs, what's the worst thing a running back can do? Fumble the ball. That's okay. the worst thing. And, and that's, you you've seen pulled. Ezekiel Elliott do that after his confidence boost when he got his contract extended, you know, while he was like mid-flight from Cancun to Dallas <laughs> a couple years ago, right? So you've seen the fumble's the worst thing that can happen to a running back. Do you agree? Yes. Like fumbling okay. the yeah, ball yeah, yeah. is yeah, the worst thing. Because then you get pulled and then you can see him on the sideline. Exactly. If you don't fumble the ball, let's, let's put that aside. What's the worst you can do as a running back? Like in a play? I think miss a block. Okay, miss a block. Or lose yardage. And carrying like lose yardage. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> How many times have you seen a running back miss a block or lose yardage and then hit like a 20-yard run, same drive? 
I argue it happens all the time. It does happen all the time. Okay, so yeah, and positionally it is different. Yeah, it's different than dropping the ball. It's different than being a quarterback, right, and being off. Like when Gardner Minshew breaks his thumb and hides it, and shit, his passes sail over receivers for a whole fucking game. And that we've seen that basically, I don't want to say ruin his career, but like change the the course of time for him. For a running back, I don't see it. I think you're safer, and I think that if okay. the Jaguars can work it out with Robinson and Etienne. Getting a ton of touches, I think we're going to kick ass. Chances both of them are on the field at the same time on certain plays as well. Love it. Right? Are we, I just thought about that. I yeah. love it too. Yeah. Yep. Great. Well, good. <laughs> All right. Well, great. <laughs> we need to, Let's we, get off a running we back. We need to take yeah. a commercial break at some <laughs> point here. Yeah. So we've already talked about the Tim Tebow kind of like versus Colin Kaepernick. Is there even a... A conflict there like are those two pitted against each other or not james robinson versus travis etienne are those two pitted together or not we said in the front tebow and kaepernick they're not even related yeah right when you said james robinson and travis etienne uh, they're kind of pitted but it might be like a worthwhile competition right, yeah. now we get to the jaguars and that 33rd pick which man i could have sworn we were going to go defensive something as we said right and we did just not the defensive something i thought we drafted Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell, uh, a cornerback who has the speed and the physicality, well, the physique that you might want ideally in a cornerback, but not necessarily filling some of the other holes we thought were more pressing on defense. I take this as a slight to C.J. Henderson, the Jaguars' cornerback picked last year as their first first-round pick who had a great opening game of 20. A great uh, opening awesome game. Of 2020. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then uh, injuries, lack of excelling. I think he's one of the players that Myers crew has come in and evaluated as, man, we got to get this guy's ass in gear. We need to draft a cornerback to do that. Would you agree with that or disagree? I'm not sure yet because cornerback is one of the positions, like they say about running back, really, or pass rushers, you can never have too many of them on your team. Okay, so, I mean, we got Shaq Griffin. We got CJ Henderson. We got Tyson Campbell. I mean, it could be a challenge for CJ Henderson. Who's our number one corner? Who would you say today is our number one corner? Maybe Shaq Griffin. Maybe CJ Henderson. Maybe Tyson Campbell. Bring them all in. See who's most productive. I mean, we still got Trey Herndon, too. And Sidney Jones. Hey, well, oh my God, the other, the other argument then, okay, so I see what you're saying. You're saying it's kind of like the running back thing. Right. It's the quickest comparison here. Stack the cornerback room with as many talented cornerbacks as you can. See what happens. See how the cookie crumbles in the offseason and the training camp and preseason. And then just go with your two strongest cornerbacks starting, and you can always plug in holes, and it's awesome, right? Like, life is good. But there's a big question about slot corner. Yeah. Or, or the uh, nickelback. Yeah, the nickel, nickel slot corner. Yeah. Nickel, yeah. So sure. we've got... Uh, Trey Herndon, people were were basically saying that might be where he moves. Right. I've heard people say, you know, forget any competition between C.J. Henderson and Tyson, Tyson Campbell. C.J. Henderson, as a first-round pick, almost has to start at one cornerback slot. Obviously, the other one goes to Shaq Griffin, and then Campbell plays at nickel. I like the idea. So I don't know much about Tyson Campbell. I'll I'll dive a little deeper, but I I don't I don't get it, man. What about Sidney Jones? I thought we were starting to believe in Sidney Jones. Like you brought that up, I forgot his name. I forgot if Sidney Jones existed. How good was he? Would you say he was better than CJ Henderson last year? I think like he was more consistent. He showed up in more games when he actually started playing, right? CJ Henderson had 
a really good game against the Colts in week one. And the only one I can remember where he played well again was Green Bay. That's all that comes to mind for me. But they, like you said, they invested so much in him. I know it wasn't urban and bulky, but you still, when did we draft him last year? Pick number nine, first round. Okay, but so it's an early pick though. So, I mean, you have to, you have to give him a chance. You have no choice. Yeah, yeah, we did that for Taven Bryant for fucking century. Okay, but that was in the you know later in the first round. Those first ten picks, they're they're very high value, you know. Like you're picking a guy you think is gonna be a star in this league, or at least be a starter in this league for five, ten years. For fun's sake, now, think. Speaking of starters in this league, speaking of people we could have drafted instead of C.J. Henderson, we've got. A fun story here with Seattle Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf, who's an extreme athlete. The DK Metcalf, mm. what was it on that pick return that he sprinted essentially the length of the football field to prevent a touchdown, which which wound up being a game saving play. DK Metcalf recently ran an Olympic trials hundred meter dash and placed like ninth out of ten. Which when you watch the race. These the runners are all so close together. They really do look like they're kind of in the same right. same mm-hmm. run. But then they got a little bit of space, which is like attributed to the eliteness <laughs> of their technique and leanness of the body and all these kind of things. Yeah. And maybe hydration day of or whatever. The fact that DK Metcalf even fucking didn't get last place in Olympic trials, I thought was awesome. And he still got shade on Twitter for being this haughty NFL back who thinks that he can show up Olympic athletes. Shade for no reason. He just tried. He just wanted to go out there. What was the shade for? I think he did great. And this dude is f***ing giant, man. He's huge. And I I mean, of course, we all go back to that play where he chased down Buda Baker, who is not the fastest safety. But wow, do you see where he exploded from? This guy's huge. And he's an NFL player, man. He's not a track star. He did it. And... If you've listened to uh, Metcalf at all, like on podcasts or anything, he's just a fun-loving guy, man. He likes to have fun. He likes to joke around. He doesn't take things too seriously. So, I mean, he did it, man. And sure, he didn't finish first. I'm sure if you asked him, like, are you going to finish first? He would have said, no, I am not going to finish first. I thought it was a very fun story. It was very cool of him to do that, first of all. And I just wonder how fast Tyreek Hill is compared to him. Because it's, it's fascinating how fast these guys are. But when you see them run against each other, you know, there's a very small difference, but that very small difference makes a huge difference. It's something like, we tend like, to look Like past, when they run right? like a four, uh, the 40 yard, right? If someone's a, you know, runs a 4-3 and someone runs a 4-2. Like me. Yeah. You run a 4-2? I think we should run a 40 yard dash. Because <laughs> I don't even know like what is exactly. Like, I, I wonder how fast I could run. You think you could run under five seconds? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. I, I think have I have to lose weight. But but it, you're right. It is about like when they run these 40-yard dashes. People just turn the podcast <laughs> off. They're like, but it's just f-ing nonsense. <laughs> no, but seriously, when people run these 40-yard dashes, they train. I time myself. Yeah. They train for it as well because it is about technique. It's not just about you're running. It's not about, about instincts. Like when you catch a football and you take off, it's different than exploding. Yeah, but you you're know? totally right. If you're if you're in these big big play kind of guys, right? And you're in a foot race, that that little bit of separation is the difference between being tackled and not, being tripped up and not. Yep. And one of the cool things that people have said about Travis Etienne is he's got that kind of speed. He's got that kind of know-how in the in the game too. Yeah. So he's a he's a, you know, score from any part of the football field and whatever the <laughs> Brian Sefton says about 
a player, but we but we actually haven't had that. Even James Robinson is not a guy that gets that separation to go seventy yards, for example. Oh, absolutely not. Which was his big knock. Mm-hmm. Which is great though. I'm I'm very excited about having them both. Yeah. I've warmed up to the idea of having them both. But very cool good. for DK. That's good. I'm glad this I'm glad this episode has been productive for you. I'm glad you made <laughs> made processing progress here. Anything else around the NFL before we look at take a look at the schedule release? Yeah. Around the NFL. Yeah, man. We forgot to talk about it. Yeah. It's happening here. Denver, Colorado. It's a very, 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 very good quarterback who wants out of his team. Oh. And he's thinking Denver, but now we're thinking he's going to stay in Green Bay. And this might have been just kind of, I mean, it could be a number of things. It could be revenge from the Jordan Love pick. What is it? Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Vengeance just to like, you thought you would replace me and you still won't replace me. Yeah. And now I'm going to not even pretend, but say, hey, I'm I'm leaving, man. Okay. I see. I see. Right? So, so wait, you don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to move? I don't think he'll move. But I mean, the odds makers never lie. They're saying Rodgers is going to come to Denver. The Broncos fans are very excited here, and it impacted their draft. Because were they going to draft a quarterback? Maybe. Do they believe in Teddy Bridgewater? Probably not. Do they believe in Drew Locke? Probably not. So the Aaron Rodgers story, it's just fascinating, just given who Aaron Rodgers is, especially with like Jeopardy, saying he, he like, oh, I'll retire and just go do Jeopardy. Like, What a fucking character Aaron Rodgers is, man. I love the guy. Yeah, I think he's great at Jeopardy. So getting to the schedule release, I already I already heard that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl winning Bucks, are have one of the easiest schedules <laughs> based on based on like preseason grades actually for these teams. No, oh. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Which divisions do they play? We don't play. They play division. like East and East. I think they play like AFC East and NFCs. Oh, so you do get the the easiest schedule then by default. Yeah, by default. <laughs> are you diving the Jaguar schedule here? Yeah. All right, so we're not gonna give. We're not going to predict the games. Another shout out to the No Toes Down podcast on Big Cat Country. They have already done a thorough season prediction. So if you haven't heard that, go listen to the most recent episode. Which, which we will do, but when we know more, closer to the season. Yeah, we feel a little, a little ignorant at the moment. Week one, we play at the Houston Texans. Let's just go through and kind of give some, yeah, some um, thoughts on the well, I don't even think we should even talk about this one, right? I mean, it's the Texans. We haven't heard anything from the Deshaun Watson scandal, so I guess we'll see how that one goes. Week two, we play the Broncos in Jacksonville. Home opener, so it'll be rowdy in there. We got people thinking about traveling from Denver here to go to the game. Yeah, it's not even a thought. I think I, I, I think it's happening, and I hope you're coming. I would, oh, I'd love to. I haven't been back to Jacksonville since a freshman year college breakup. This got really sad. So, all right, let, let's go back to Jacksonville, flip it around, home opener. It'll be fun. I think we should go. Week three, the Jaguars play at home versus the Cardinals. Week four, up until week four, all these games are our uh, classic Jacksonville 1 p.m. Eastern slot on CBS. <laughs> all right. Week four is when we get our only primetime game. Now, I imagine we might be flexed into like a Sunday night later in the season if if we're good. If we're doing well. Well, we get we get a guaranteed primetime on Thursday night, uh, September 30th, at Cincinnati Bengals. So this is Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. Did we play week four Thursday night football last year? Against Dol- the Titans? Dolphins. 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 It was week four, though. It was the heartbreaker. Yeah, it was when yes, we, we surrendered the season. We went from, like, playoffs, playoffs <laughs> to, like, 
Justin Fields. Justin Fields. What, what an exciting game, though. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, rematch. Last two number one picks, too. I think Troy Aikman, did he get drafted with Emmett Smith and then Michael Irvin came later? I can't remember which who got drafted the same same year as Aikman. But they went like, the Cowboys went 1-15, I believe, his first season. And they were just abysmal from what I from what I hear. I wasn't cognizant at the time. <laughs> but the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, honestly, man, I'm thinking five, the equivalent of five and 11 for this season. So like five and 12, I think six and 11 if we like hit a stride. That would be a successful season for me. I don't want him. I don't need him to go off and win games. I don't want him to be spoiled. I think I think there's so much knowledge you get from working a year at a place, no matter if it's a football team or a company or you know a f-ing startup job. It's tough when the expectations are so high, though. Yeah, but what, does anyone expect us to make the playoffs this year? I think so. I think the expectations are high, bro. So week five, October 10th, this is kind of after our, our mini buy. So what is that? It's like a nice 10 days between the last game. Jaguars play at home versus the Titans. Uh, week six, October 17th, we play at home against the Dot. What are we, the all home games this whole season? Uh, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, I've been waiting for you to talk about this. I've been waiting for your take on uh, on London. I've been waiting. So the Jaguars play at home in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur in London, right? And this is where the Jaguars will be opening the game amid a chant of, let's go, JJ's, let's go. Let's go, JJ's, let's go. Is it? Is this, let's what, go, is this what they say? Let's go. Is this what they let's say? Let's go, JJ's, JJ's let's, let's go. go. What? What is this? What is JJ's? Jacksonville Jaguars. Is this what they say? I think there is a side theory that because when that pick was announced, was it from Wembley? So with that pick, they announced that we were picking Jay Tufele from USC, defensive tackle. Okay. There is a side theory in, in, in the realm of JJ's philosophy that the person making the pick announcement was trying to say, let's go JJ for this guy, Jay Tufele, not the Jaguars. Let's you let that simmer for a second here. Okay, so they were saying let's go JJ, but they actually meant Jacksonville Jaguars. And because of nerves, he added an S. That's the side theory. It's not a popular theory. I'm very confused. Yeah. Honestly, I think that might be my new chant at the game. Let's go JJ. Well, just I guarantee you that with all the cheesy EPL chants out there, you'll never walk alone. Fuck everything till we die. Whatever. I guarantee you, let's go JJ's was for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. I guarantee to you. And I embrace it entirely. I wasn't in Jacksonville when Duval was coined. I was in Jacksonville. We were in the AFC Championship game before Duval existed. I was in Jacksonville when we had Jimmy Smith before Duval existed. When we had Fred Taylor before Duval existed. And when we had Mark Brunel before Duval existed. So if you want to go out and coin something, embrace the let's go JJ's all day long. It's going to be a thing. It sounds so funny, though. I didn't even think about Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like Shad Khan would have, uh, approve of this. He's like, I've been saying that ever since I bought the team. <laughs> He's like, I thought that was a chant, man. <laughs> Shad Khan emailed those guys the night before. He's like, when you, when you go to Wembley, uh, I think you should say... A nice chant to get the troops riled. 
Let's go, JJ's. Shad Khan. Great. Shining your, shot, your Shad Khan voice. This year is the year where you get it down. I, I want to meet him. That's my goal by the end of the year. Guys, uh, everyone listening, I'm going to meet Shad Khan. I don't know if you're going to really love that. So um, after the Jaguars get drunk off their asses, taking JJ shots in London, they have a week seven bye and then come and play uh, the Seattle Seahawks all the way in the West Coast. So what is that, like a 20,000-mile journey? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's deep. We play the NFC West this year. Not not good for the Jaguars. Not good. Not but, good at all. But we'll make for fun games. I think if you don't expect to win the playoffs this year, then these are these are fun games to watch. Yeah, we we do expect we do expect. And who do we got next? Buffalo. Oh boy! Again, if you don't expect to make the playoffs this year, oh so we play the Buffalo Bills um, at home the following week. So this is on November seventh, on November fourteenth at Indianapolis. Is this Colts. our first meeting with the Colts in Week Ten? It's happened like this in the past. We get them then, and we get them again in Week eighteen. It sounds, it sounds weird to end that. Yeah. We get the final yeah. game against the Colts. So mm-hmm. in classic fashion here. We play the 49ers. Uh, so San Francisco 49ers come to Jacksonville um, November 21st. We talked about attending that game if it was in San Francisco. Right. Oh, that would be great, actually. And that's uh, another example. I, I talked about this a lot last year about rookie quarterbacks matching up. This could be Trevor Lawrence against uh, Trey Lance, which would be really fun. Who knows what their situation is and what they're thinking and who they will be starting. But this is later in the year, so there's a good chance it'll be Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, PFF is saying they're claiming uh, Trey Lance will win Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, because he'll go into a system that's so friendly to anyone. He said he set up for success for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, week twelve, we play the Falcons at home. Was this the game that was added in? I believe this is yeah. uh, the the you know seventeenth game that was added in. Week thirteen, we play at the Rams, Los Angeles Rams. So we're finally. In that new SoFi Stadium with fans attending. And our first meeting with Jalen Ramsey. Correct? Oh, yeah. Because we... No, we haven't played him since he left. What do you think is going to go down? I think Jalen Ramsey will be running his mouth quite a bit. He's going to say, Trevor Lawrence ain't shit. He's garbage and stuff like that. But they're going to be a great team, man. I'm I'm pretty high on the Rams. I think they're they're going to have a really good season. So I'm not looking forward to that game. Well, Trevor and Nicole over at the No Toes, no Toes Down podcast said we would actually probably win this game because Ramsey actually does too much to mess up his defense. <laughs> Try hard, let's yeah, say. I don't see that. Um, you, If there's one game on the schedule we can mark down as a loss, I think this would be the one. Oh, wow. Yep. We got to make a Canadian dollar bet with No Toes Down. Then. <laughs> Week 14, December 12th at the Titans. Uh, week 15, December 19th, another division game, Houston Texans. It already feels like a long schedule. We haven't even gone through 16 I games know, yet, but like, it feels oh like God. a... It must be that extra game. That 17 is making it feel extra long. Well, I guess it's 18 weeks now officially, right? Week 16, December 26th, we might we might give the Jets a, a Christmas present or receive another one from them after they gave us Trevor Lawrence this last year. We play at New York Jets. Week 17, January 2nd, at the Patriots, uh, who do you think is going to be playing QB for them on January 2nd, 2022? Oh, I mean, this is late in the season. It could go one of two ways, though. It could go Mac Jones took over the job and he started playing well, so they chose him. Or it could go Cam Newton struggled the whole season. They're out of contention, and it's Mac Jones's time to get ready for next season. So Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, so Mac Jones. Yeah, that's basically what I said. But in, it could be in... 
different situations. Different, different reasons. Yeah, different reasons. Different reasons. January 9th, our final game of the season. January 9th, 2022, will still be in the regular season, week 18, playing, of course, uh, the Colts uh, at home in Jacksonville. So there you have it. So without making like a game-by-game game prediction, what's what's your take here? I'm, I don't know. I'm not even going to guess a record right now. I need more time. But I, I want to go to the playoffs, if that's what you're asking me. I would like to. I... I actually believe this year, but I believe I said this last year too, man. Like we'll find out in the first five weeks. And what what do we always say about Thanksgiving? We want to be relevant. So until Thanksgiving, how many games do we play? I, I don't know. I'm on the cynical side. It might be this mango flavored white claw I just drink. It might be, <laughs> it might be my, uh, my left brain uh, speaking for itself for once. I think we're not going to make the playoffs. I think it'll be fairly obvious early on and that we'll actually have a fun season because we'll start winning games in the middle. So will we be relevant at Thanksgiving? Yeah, in like classic, like decent Jaguars, like quasi Blake Bortlesy Jaguars fashion. Like we could string together seven games in a row, but we probably won't. I think we'll find out shit in the first couple games how this defense looks. First three, four games, if the defense looks like they can hold up and the offense looks what like what we think it'll look like, then maybe. We have to have emerging stars. That's the way that the twenty seventeen start season kicked off is we yeah. had ten sacks with you know what Clayus Campbell, Malik right. Jackson, these were recent free agency acquisitions. We don't know how they would fit in and they just f- fit they, knows? they they ran the show. Maybe yeah. maybe Shaq Griffin molds into a star. Maybe Josh Allen has that impactful like star star changing season you know where he is like nick bosa there's a million things that can happen man like i don't know if we're gonna make the playoffs i want to i don't know what's gonna happen maybe i can give you a better prediction or evaluation later but not right now for sure well what i do hope we make is your mom's eat dinner yeah we should so already getting hungry thank you for listening to this episode of the drunken jaguar it has been an honor to be with you here, you can follow the Drunken Jaguar on Twitter at Junkin Dragwar. This is a Big Cat Country SB Nation podcast. Go back and give our fellow podcasts, Do Fall Hot Takes and No Toes, down a listen this week. They have some really valuable insight on the draft as well as the season ahead. I said, it's been a pleasure. We will be back soon. Football season's almost back. I know it seems like it's far away, but it'll fly by. So we're ready. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it too. What's that? Let's go, JJ's. Let's Let's go. go.
Let's go, JJ's. Let's go. I hate you for this. Let's go, JJ's. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, God. I can't wait till I move to London.